Hey everyone, welcome back to One Pagers with Portage Sales. You already know me, Adrian Harris, and my business partner, Peter Myers. We're so excited to introduce our guest speaker today, Lee Solomon. Lee is a global head of sales. She's been all over Toronto, all over the oh, all over the world, frankly. She's passionate about sales and sales training. And over the years, she's built and overseen inside sales and business development teams that truly produce. She hires the right people, designs a scalable model, and leverages technology. She relies on data to drive effectiveness and results and is a big believer that numbers tell the story. Plus, she's a lot of fun. I think we're going to have a great conversation today. So on that note, I'm going to turn it over to Peter to get us started. Yeah, it's so uh, so good to have you here today, Lee. And, and uh, um, you know, I don't know if you experienced this, but I find that I run into these themes with clients where... Uh, and I even saw it, like to really double down on this, a uh, quote from Buddha on Instagram of all places, of course, the last, which is, you know, the, the biggest mistake we make is that we think we have time. And I've been seeing this in terms of running, um, running with clients and doing close one, close lost analysis. And the biggest reason, like if you really step back from it, that I see that, uh, that sales teams lose deals is because of time. Uh, that it just takes too long to get back to the customer, too long from that initial touch, too long to come up with the solution, and then they get stuck because you're talking to the wrong decision maker. Uh, so I, I wonder if we could just kind of like freestyle on that to, to talk about what's been your experience around the, the effect that time can have, and of course we're talking about sales process today, but the effect time can have on, on, on winning or losing deals. So, I mean, we all know that time is 100% critical, not just because we want to close the deal and we want to hit end of quarter numbers and end of month numbers, but because if we take too long, we don't stay top of mind. So our buyers have a day job and they have their daily tasks and their boss and they have a million and one things they worry about. And quite frankly, we're not one of them. So in order to make sure that we stay top of mind, we have to, you know, how do they say, kind of hit on the nail uh, right away. We have to make sure that they we're constantly keeping them engaged. And that's why if you noticed a lot of, the, especially around the SMB sales cycles, they're all talking about 60 to 90 days. Why 60 to 90 days? Because if they take longer, chances are that those deals are going somewhere to die. It's not because the uh, uh, business is taking longer to make a decision or they're having a hard time making a decision it means that you're not staying top of mind you're not fully engaged with them and you're probably going to lose the deal because of that and 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 so can you talk about you know with that as some context for the conversation today like just talk about as as you weigh into your roles that you've had around running sales teams how do you think about sales process? Because in some ways, sales process is a little bit of a dirty word. Like it's just kind of, you know, we don't we don't really, because it's boring. Like process sounds boring, but there's so much that's critical as a sales so leader. So I, I, I don't use the word sales process per se, probably because it's a dirty word and it never occurred to me until you said that. I use the word, I use the word proven process. So proven process, um, and I know it's playing with semantics, but what it means is that I have a way um, that's been proven before that works for me 
And if I let everybody go through the same steps, guess what? We're all going to close more business. So um, I do agree that people get very scared when they hear process. I talk to CEOs and whenever I even bring the let's implement a sales process, they get scared. No, no, no. But we have to close deals. I don't know why they think the building a process means we're going to stop selling. You know what? Let's just put sales on hold for a second. Let's not call our customers back. Let's figure out the process. That's not at all what we mean, but it does have that connotation, which is why it scares people. It sounds boring. It sounds boxed. All I'm saying is there's a proven process. There's something that's working and it's converting. Let's take that and replicate that all across. And, and so where do you start to get the, what, and I know it's not a one hit wonder in terms of the places that you look personally, but what's been your experience of where there are immediate win opportunities, where you can start to show some results as a result of whatever we end up calling it to the founder or CEO or whoever else, the, the board, like what, what rocks do you turn over in order to find opportunity? Yeah. So I think maybe I want to take it a bit of a, a step back just to um, hear something that works really well, especially when you join an organization, you're a bit detached from whatever they're doing. So it gives you a benefit of having that bird's eye view and being the outsider looking in. So what you want to do is, A, you want to get credibility by getting some immediate wins in there, but you all want to understand what it is that they're doing, what activities do they seem to be repeating, and then you could start analyzing it against the pipeline. So take the closed one, for example, that's the first place I will go. I will go to the closed one and I will look one by one and I will talk to the sales reps and not ask them why do they buy because that's across value and you know what we bring to the table. What did you do that caused them to buy? And that's when they start explaining to me, well, you know, I gave them a huge discount. Well, I did this great trial or, you know, I'm so good. I just close everything. But you get those activities out of the closed one. Um, and I always have this kind of 70-30 rule of there's going to be 30% that are just different and I'm going to remove them from the equation. And when I stay with my 70% and the activities that the good reps did that helped the sales cycle, that got us that one deal, that's what I take. And I start replicating it across existing stuff in the pipeline. So if I will see something, say, sitting in proposal, and I know that one of the things that I heard from a rep is, well, you know what, before I actually send them the proposal, I go for a technical deep dive or whatever that is. I will start replicating those steps that automatically moves things faster through the funnel. So then you get the credibility, not only for moving things faster through the funnel, you're actually winning more. Cross that against some um, older conversions. And there you go. Here's immediate impact of how I just asked a few questions, the right questions. I replicated some of the steps. I don't even have a process yet. I just replicated some steps that seem to be working and that brought immediate results. So if, you, if you're at a point that you need to build that process, but you want to have an impact, that's the first thing I, was look, I would look for. What did the rep do? What activities did they do? What um, um, demos did they run? What discovery? What questions they asked? Replicate that. You'll see immediate results. Can I jump in for a second, Peter? Because I'm super curious about, like, we've, we've talked a lot about, you know, how the salesperson shows up and how they're qualifying. And if we go back again to this whole piece around sales process, when you go into an organization, Lee, 
and you're starting from ground zero or maybe not from ground zero, like how do you assess, again, the dirty word sales process, <laughs> how do you assess what's working, what do you need to change, how do you get people engaged to make it better and more effective, like what is like how do you sh how do you show up to make impact and how do you get the sales people and the executive like on board and engaged for impact it, yeah you know that's 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 good because it's a struggle sometimes but i think if you do it right that the sales people will welcome it so at the end of the day sales people want to sell more so if you tell them i want to help you sell more there's a good chance they'll listen. Um, I do it in a couple of ways. The first thing I do is um, I, I pick and choose different stages and, and opportunities in the pipeline, and I just ask to join the calls. Now, pre-COVID, it was a lot easier because I could just be a fly on the wall in the room. Post-COVID, COVID, a little bit more difficult, but then they never say no. Like I've never had a situation where somebody said, no, I don't want you there. They may say, you know what, we have a lot of people or I'm super insecure about this deal or whatever, and that's fine, then I don't force myself. Um, but here, I'll give you an example of something. When I was at Blue Jay, um, the first thing I try to figure out is can we run a discovery call because we were selling to lawyers and lawyers are billable hours. So they show up to the table, start to you know, run discovery when, when they came to see something might be difficult. I asked one of the reps, hey, you know, you've got a demo. I know it's an MPL. Can I join in? She told me years later that um, she was totally freaking out when I asked her. She thought I was assessing her. And I um, now I know to say, I'm not assessing you. I just need to hear the other side. So I do say that out loud. And then I go and I listen to discoveries and I listen to pitch. And what I listen for is what the other side is saying. And then I ask, uh, there was a rep, um, this was when I joined Cerebro, noticed there was a negotiations uh, opportunity stage. It was a big enterprise account. Um, and I asked him, when are you on the phone with them next? He said, well, next week we have a call. I've invited the CEO, so that's great. Why do we need the CEO? I'd like to understand that. Is that part of the process we would need to implement for enterprise deals? I asked him to join. I sat there very quietly. I even turned off my camera to not throw anybody off. But what I was listening is, what's happening on that call what are they asking the rep to do that he couldn't and had to bring the ceo and sometimes it's just to show muscle whatever that is that's the stuff i was documenting so that's what i come in i tell them exactly what i come in for that and then when i gather and aggregate those events and i start finding that common denominator i put it in a very digestible format so adrian i think you've seen this before because i sent it to you i don't more than six or seven steps because any more than that and you've just confused you've lost your audience you've lost your reps um you've complicated something that seemed simple to them because let's not forget they're salespeople. they sell they're producing revenue they feel that they they're good at what they do um so it has to be around six or seven uh stages that are super digestible and then what i do is i do book a training so a department-wide training with management there because they have to see that management has bought into this, that they believe in this. And I say, guys, here's what's been working. Let's do a couple of deal analysis. You bring in a postmortem on a closed loss, you bring one that's in the middle, you bring a, um, a closed one, and then you present the proven process. And again, not sales process, proven process. Um, when you present that, and I want to differentiate the process from stages in Salesforce or you know things that are... Um, that are more of a reporting tool. This is about, I asked them 
to have a proposal review. I suggested we do a POC. I suggested we do a wider demo to the team because I actually want their boss, but I didn't know how to say it nicely. So all these things, <laughs> I, I mean, but I'm being honest with them. I, I show them that I'm having the exact same challenge that they're having is I want this person to buy from me. And I wanna make sure that I hit all the right buttons to, to, to get to that point. When we have the training, that's all great. They will forget about it the next minute. They will hang up the phone and they will go on their calls and their pipelines. What we do during pipeline reviews, and I do it every Friday, um, and there's a reason I choose Fridays, by the way, is I noticed it drives the mentality that they work all week for that pipeline meeting. And as we're reviewing the stages, that's when I start um, unpacking the, the steps, that proven process. Great, so you sent out a proposal. Do we have a proposal review on the calendar? Well, now as a rep, you don't have that pipeline paralysis. You know you have five opportunities and proposals. Three of them are on the calendar for proposal review. They're bringing their boss, they're checking budgets. Two of them are silent. Now you've just bucketed your pipeline into priorities. So I use that process in the pipeline reviews. By now, when I, I don't even need them for pipeline in the sense that I can run a report and by next steps, I know exactly where they are in that so-called proven process that sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. Sometimes you can do everything right and for whatever reason, they won't buy from you. And that's okay too. It doesn't mean that the process is faulty. It just means that it didn't work, but you did the right things as a rep to bring the company and the solution to the right people at the organization. I really like the piece that you're raising here in terms of a simplified process. Uh, and, and, and I don't know, I, I just wanna explore something with you on this, Lee, because one thing I observe is that our sales process might not be the same as the buyer's buy process and 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 i also know that you know in all the training and enablement work that we would do with teams we have to we reinforce over and over again of it's got to be all about the buyer at the end of the day you're uncovering their problems you're not pitching your product right out of the gate you're really paying attention to what's urgent and things like that and i just wonder like as you simplify that sales process uh the that your you know your your sales process how do you think about that in comparison to what the buy process is so first i think the sales process it's not linear so it's not in the sense of yeah. do this then do this then do that it is aggregated touch points that need to take place in order for you to present full value to the prospect. So one of the things that I would put in the qualification um, item of the sales process is how do you buy? It's a very simple question. Do you guys know how to buy? And now I, I may not ask it this way. They will say what they have in terms of systems or infrastructure or something like that. Well, how, what was the steps you took to buy that solution? How does it work at your organization? Then you've got two options. Either they say, I don't know, and that's okay too, because now you can suggest ways for them to evaluate. It just means they don't know how to buy, or they'll tell you exactly how they buy. And then you look at your proven process and what's worked well for you, and you match that to their buying cycle. If it's completely different, so if they're thinking something that just doesn't add up, something is wrong. Either somebody's in the wrong place, either you're not talking to the right people, either they're looking for what they think um, is a solution to a problem that you'd be solving, but maybe not. Not being on the same page actually means that more qualification needs to take place. But I'll give you an example of where we had to adjust ourselves because of the way the customers were buying. Um, I don't love trials. No salesperson loves trials. Trials mean that just takes longer to sell. 
um, gives them opportunity to not like what they see. It, it, it's something salespeople will always try to shy away from. Guess what? Selling to law firms, they all wanted to try it out first. They all wanted to try it out first. And I said, okay, great. So how do you buy? Well, we try it out. We give it to a handful of people. So then I took that one step of qualification and I put the trial step in there and the trial itself, I broke into six, seven simple steps because if you have to go through a step that is not in your proven process, it deviates because the buyer wants it, well then let's unpack that. Let's have a proven process so we are still in control, that we're still driving so we understand, you know, okay, well, success criteria. You know, people throw out success criteria, but sometimes they don't even know what it means. Like they say, well, I asked them, what's gonna, you know, what's gonna determine success on the trial? You have to know what's gonna determine success and then you can talk to them about it and then you can make sure that your expectations are aligned. But have a proven process for things that are outside of what you wanna do or what you know is working. Because like you said, Peter, your buyer has a way of buying and we have to accommodate that. Yeah, I can really hear two, two really good, you know, great pieces of wisdom there. One is that the process is dynamic, meaning it's, you know, it is reality. If the customer you thought they're in, you know, decision maker bought in and, and now they're popping back to uh, there's there's the true decision maker actually needs to see a demo of the thing or whatever else. That's that's the reality. So the faster we can move with that and keep it dynamic, I think I, I hear that a little bit in what you're saying. And then and then this this other piece, which is I hadn't really thought about too much of that process within the process, like think about like start to break it out a little bit to see we're really just going to guide our job is to guide the customer on that buyer journey and to help them along the way. And I think what you're saying is like with something like a trial, which could be really um, uh, a real problem for slowing up that decision making process that there's probably a best practice that you can offer. To exactly. Them. And um, so in most organizations I've been with, because people do like to try out things, the first thing I did is really line up that proven process for sales. And then we had the exact same thing for trials. So we broke the trials into, okay, but what does it mean to, okay, so we've, you know, we've done our success criteria. We've now, um, we now, um, you know, got them on, you know, the platform, whatever that is. I now put owners around it. So one of the things um, that tend to fall through the cracks on trials is who owns it? Customer success owns it, sales owns it. So different tasks had different accountabilities and those were broken into their own mini little proven processes. And the idea is, is if you're constantly attentive to that, you're not going to miss a step. Or if you're missing a step, you actually know your deal is at risk. And that's a good thing to know when, um, first of all, it's a good thing to know for sales leaders because it helps them with forecasting, but it's a good thing to know as a rep because you can ask for help. You can say, hey, you know what? I'm here in the middle of a trial and I've not once spoken to the decision maker because it's all the end users. I don't know what to do. Can I get some help? Guess what? You're going to sit with a few smart people on your team and somebody's going to come up with a really good idea to try. So I guess a positive reframe then, because we started off here with uh, process can be a real dirty word, and I think it can be. It sounds, again, it sounds disengaging. It's it's like everything else in sales, focus on the with them, you know, the benefits of the process. And and I think that, that, that last piece you're just talking about is to, what a great way to capture best practices mm -hmm. and just make sure they're ingrained right across your team. Because that is then by definition, you're creating the model that can scale. Yeah, and I think one of the things that a lot of, um, 
especially in small startups, I'm seeing it a lot. A lot of CEOs, they don't necessarily understand why they need to have a sales process right away. What What is it going to give them? And what I tell them is the first thing you're going to get is consistency. So to be able to identify, we're new, we're doing a market launch, we're doing a product launch. We don't know how the market's going to react to it. We don't know how long the sales cycle is going to be. We don't know, um, a lot of them even you know still play with pricing models and things like that. If you're consistent, you're going to be able to recognize bottlenecks, issues, problems, and then fix it. And without having that consistent, pro I have a, a company I'm working with right now, giving them a little bit of consulting. And um, the CEO called me up. He's like, well, so we can get this company to give us a lot of demos and they schedule demos. And I'm like, well, is demo booking your issue? Because I'm in your sales force right now. And that's not the issue. But guess what? 70% of the people don't show up for your demos. So throwing more people to take a demo, that's not going to fix it. And that's how you start identifying where the problem is in the pipeline and then fix it. I went to play, I, I'm gonna go left field for a second just to have a little bit of fun. So I, I, the game I wanna play is um, what's the problem? So you know, let's, let's say we take client A and they have an absolutely crappy close rate. What's what? What are you looking at in that case? Uh, and and I want to debate it with you a little bit too. But uh, like, what are you looking at that case to say? You know, from a sales process perspective, that you would say might be driving a really low close rate. So there's a few things. Obviously, we all know that could be the cause of that. If you're thinking of, um, so let's take the process and the sales process that we just talked about, and let's think of it as a as a journey. Okay, so it's almost as if it's a journey actually from a prospect to a customer. It's the journey they're taking. But let's think of it for a second as uh, you know, instructions have to how to get. Um, you know, you get in the, your car and you start at A and you need to finish at B and Waze is giving you this, uh, um, you know, go here and go there and you're gonna have those pit stops and everything. You can get lost along the way, you can take too long and then you'll be late and by the time you show up, dinner's over. All those things can cause um, an issue where you don't get to point B. So the same thing is what I look for on a low closing rate. This is exactly the company I'm working with, with right now is they said, we feel that we have a low closing rate. And when I asked what was the closing rate, they actually did not have an answer because they're like, well, we're not sure. So what I start doing is I start taking the information. Um, so first I'll start with the raw information. What's in a pipeline? Let's see, how many opportunities did we have this year? How many did we win? Let's call that a conversion rate. How many got stuck in the proposal stage? How many got stuck after demo stage? How many got stuck after? How many went from demo to close lost? How many went from proposal to close lost? Now you have a better picture. If they went from demo to close lost, maybe our demos are too feature function. We don't actually talk about problem solving. We're not talking about the bigger picture. If they went from proposal to close lost, which is um, something that's very scary and happens a lot, a lot. If I, if I had to walk in blind to an organization and they told me they had um, a low closing rate, I would bet my money that it is proposal to close. And it's either because they're getting sticker shock. So you're just showing them a half an hour of a demo. You're giving them the pricing and you're like, so do you want to buy? And they don't know how to digest that, but it happens. <laughs> you guys are laughing. I know it happens. Um, yeah. You want to make sure that when you're giving them that proposal, it's almost like you've already checked box that you're talking to the right person that the problem that they have and the value that they're bringing are aligning and then give them that yes everybody wants pricing but 
what if it costs one dollar and i'm not addressing your problem you're still not going to buy so it's really about making sure that you know you talked about medic and band i almost tell them make sure that you're you're qualifying the beginning part the value part the need part the the authority part you know i can quote somebody that doesn't have the decision uh, or the, the the power to buy and they have nothing to do with my proposal they don't know where to take it so guess what it's going to be a closed loss so understanding those stages and you need clean data for that so a lot of times when you go into an organization with a closed loss and you pull out their pipeline you don't actually have clean data because they'll be like yeah you know this wasn't actually a demo to close we actually gave them a proposal or this was all the way in negotiation so sometimes you do have to take it out to excel clean it up but i would urge you to do that because that will give you the true picture ask the reps why did it die why did it close put in close lost reasons you will pinpoint on the problem you don't need to wait a full quarter go on historical data fix it up clean it up and you can run reports yeah it's great it's it's a i think i found it was an overused term but i i end up still using it because i think it's an appropriate one which is where's the friction in the process like where basically where do things get stalled where do things get slowed up uh, one of the things that, that that I've seen too, like you know, low close rate, right? It can be a whole bunch of things. It can be crap qualification. It can be sending proposals way too early in the sales process, so that it's like dropping it off and 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 you just lose a prospect at that point. It can be very very poor discovery. Uh, but it's it, you know, I'm, I'm hearing that theme in here again of of real like actually slow it down before you can speed it up. So slow it down to understand the data of hey, what is the data will speak to you you know, clean it up and that will tell you where you could be really uh, making the process work. And I'll better. give you one, um, one more thing that I, I do when I try to figure out why we lose deals is I do look at the closed one. And again, th there's always a common denominator. So the closed one will either have the right um, industry or the right uh, role or the right entry point, something in there will scream out. And now you've got a qualification process in there. Because if you take the closed one and you do the exact same exercises, you pause for a second, how fast did it move from demo to, um, to proposal? How fast, um, how long did I sit in negotiations? How long did um, it take me from, you know, let's say it was an MQL and it was a, a junior person, which we love them because they give us a whole bunch of information about the organization. How long did it take from the moment I spoke to them until they brought me to decision maker? Again, you take the proven process out of that. You can also figure out what was wrong with the closed loss deals, and then you can fix it in the qualification and the beginning of the cycle process. So if we circle this back up, Lee, because I love the way this this is threading through as the conversation and and what... If, if you're going into a client that either has a, a clunky process or no process at all, what is, as the owner of the business, what are some of the benefits that I'm going to get out of some real work to make a much better sales, sales process? So I think the first thing is, is you're going to have, um, and I think I said it, but I'll say it again. You're going to have, the first thing you're going to have is consistency. And when you have consistency, you're going to be able to flag out issues be able to solve for those specific issues. So you're not playing a guessing game of maybe we're priced too high. Maybe we should show this. Maybe we should do that. Maybe our industry, we're better off selling into manufacturing versus retail. So you're removing the guessing game. Why? Because you have consistency. You have a process. You know where the process is stuck. You can fix that. No more leaving money on the table. Yeah, that's great. 
Yeah, it's it's that whole agile nature too. I love agile as a methodology for running a business and for you know developing product. And it's it feels that feels very agile because now I can be iterative about it. I've really like diagnose, fix, diagnose, fix. As and I and I'll, I'll say that you know every CEO I speak to and I see this over and over again, they don't fully understand the need for a sales process. They will often tell me, "But we need to close deals," and I I keep saying but you won't truly maximize the potential of your pipeline and your business unless you implement this. And it doesn't mean you're gonna stop selling. It doesn't mean that you're gonna stop doing the activities. It just means that you're gonna be documenting it. You're gonna be measuring success. You're gonna be measuring failure. There's nothing wrong with measuring failure. We, as long as we learn from it, it's fantastic. You know, you, you mentioned something about a fast no. I call it an intelligent no. An intelligent no is something I love because it's information I can use to close the next deal, to bring in the next process. I always tell them it doesn't mean you're going to stop your business. It just means that you're going to document it. Okay. My dog started to bark in the background. so I <laughs> Your dog agrees with me. <laughs> He's so excited. He loves process. Even process. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've really like for me we've covered a lot of the topics what else do you want to dive into Lee like are there other pieces around um, around sales process that you feel like well we haven't touched on and you feel like we should really be weaving that in I think um, I think there's not enough emphasis on certain tools that help you do that um, you know I talk to companies and I ask them and I'm not going to mention any tools here but I ask them what tools do you use what's your CRM system and they might have, you know, an older type CRM system or a CRM that has not matured with their business. And when I try to even bring in uh, the word, you might need a new tool, they freak out because in their mind, they're thinking cost, process, implementation, and understand that those tools are there for a reason. Without these tools, without being able to truly um, put in all the information, you know, we said in the beginning that I love data and I love numbers. I love data and I love numbers because they made my job easy because they help me manage larger teams, remote teams, scale those teams. So you wanna have the right tools that your business requires. If you're gonna scale a sales team, think about what those systems need to look like when you have 18 reps. And then don't say, well, I'm going to wait until I have 18 reps to bring it because that's going to make it a lot harder for you to achieve that. Well, I got to thank you a ton, Lee. This was so fun. And, you know, we made a not so sexy topic kind of fun. <laughs> I realize it's only not sexy because of the name, which is hence don't use sales process. It's proven process. And I, I like proven process. I like that. I like it. <laughs> yes, yeah, the sexiest unsexy to uh, sales topic. Of the <laughs> Are we allowed to say sexy on a podcast? I think we just did. We're going to uh, go with I, it. I, I think we're safe with that. Yeah. I, I'm going to yeah, go I with think, it. I think you're okay. Yeah. <laughs>